0: Thanks very much, Drew, I, I appreciate that. Um, what I'm going to do today is, is not uh, give you a, uh, not give you something that deals with a lot of the science and so on, but I'm, what I'm, what I'm, the way I'm approaching this is that the Packard Foundation is, uh, was looking for great things to do. We had, David Packard uh, died in um, 1996. He left us 200 million shares of HP. So we end up with about $6 billion. Well, you're supposed to give away at least 5% of that, so that's $300 million. but what do you do with it? How do you really make a difference? And there are several things we're working on. We're working on fisheries. The world's fishing, uh, fishing fleets are more effective at catching fish than the fish are reproducing, and the fish stock in the world is going down, so we're trying to build sustainable fisheries. We're working on family planning issues in some developing countries where the population's growing very dramatically and very fast women's health issues. We were working with children in in the United States, but one of the key things we have is environment. And one of the areas is uh, basically, uh, we we decided to really look at climate change and see whether this was something we wanted to put money into. But why Colorado College, why am I here? Well, this is David and Lucille Packard. Um, David and Lucille Packard's parents were at Colorado College. Ella Graber uh, on one side, and Sperry Packard, uh, um, Sperry Packard here in the middle Sperry Packard here in the middle is uh, was this was the Colorado state championship team in 1902 uh, uh, and so because of them they are, they got married after the college grew up Dave grew up in Pueblo and um, uh, he uh, always had a real interest in Colorado College and when he um, uh, gave some of his money away in the early 70's he put enough money into uh, uh, the what's called the Ella Graber and Spray Packard Arts Building here on, on campus. We've also had an opportunity to give 3-4 um, uh, million dollar grants to, to help with um, uh, faculty uh, salaries and with um, uh, scholarships with students. Uh, so that's why Colorado College, they really wanted Dave Packard on the board, they didn't get him so I was sort of well okay Second choice, uh, one of the organizations that we decided to do i mean it 's one thing for a foundation to want to do something, but how are you going to spend the money where who 's going to do the work so we put up five hundred million dollars, and the Hewlett Foundation put up five hundred million dollars so we have a billion dollars and it 's not an endowment it 's to be spent spent out over maybe seven years and they 're raising uh, uh, trying to raise another billion not only from the u s but from around the world and um, so we had read something from Nicholas Stern. Um, he's uh, from England and he wrote a small little 700 page uh, report on uh, climate change and what it was gonna do to the economies of the developing countries and the developed countries around the world. And he figured that about for about 1% of their gross domestic product would be able, they'd be able to, uh, to deal with this. Now this got us interested um, and it got a lot of other people interested. And we took a look at sort of what is our goal, and our, our goal and mission is to try and keep the temperature in the world from going up as an average of no more than two degrees centigrade. Um, zero is sort of pre-industrial, and I'll show you where we are now, but the reasons why, um, I don't know if you can read that in the back, but it's, you know, it said if we keep going up in temperature, crop yields uh, will fall. Uh, water, the glaciers are melting and the water shortages and uh, rising seas, you have reefs already damaged and uh, mass species in inter- uh, extinction, storms, droughts, fires, heats and so on and then you begin to get feedback where things like uh, a lot of the tundra has what it has basically is rotting plants in it but it's frozen and if that melts all that rot and storage comes up as methane and methane is about 20 times worse than carbon dioxide as a, as a global warming. So there, there are things that you call, uh, maybe I didn't have to hit one more here. Uh, yeah, you have to just end the feedback. So where are we today? We're at that yellow line, little short of 1% increase. Now this is an average, there are places. Um, I heard from uh, Howard that uh, I guess in the Sargasso Sea that the temperature's have actually gone down slightly. Uh, but the big problem uh, in this uh, world is, is something like um, Greenland, for instance. This is just between 2002 and 2005 and the orange is where the snow used to be uh, going back a few more for years. So you see it's going pretty quickly. Um, and if all of this melts, um, all of this melts, it's, people feel that the oceans will go up uh, close to a meter because uh, that's quite thick, and it'll take a while for it to all melt, but um, it's certainly there's a lot of water that's now in snow and ice that if it melts, it's going to rise the sea level. Now, in Colorado Springs, it probably won't affect you too much, but if you lived in Florida, it sure would, or New Orleans, or Bangladesh, or a lot of island nations where it all, all of a sudden end up underwater. Uh, let's look at the Arctic climate temperature trends. Uh, you can see from the year back the year... 0 or 1 uh, AD going forward, the temperature's actually going down somewhat as an average, the, the green line, and then they started measuring it, and when they start measuring was the red, and you can see what's happened uh, as they measured it from about 1890 or something like that, and then what's what's happened today, and you can see that it's just the last few years, it's just almost straight, going straight up. Uh, the Himalayas are have the four great rivers uh, going into Asia, the Yangtze going down into, you know, out to Shanghai, the Mekong going through Laos and so on, coming out through um, Vietnam, the Salween and the Irrawaddy going off into uh, Myanmar and so on. All of those depend on glaciers in the, uh, in the Himalayas. And as these are now melting, and so this is really one of the key things that's gotten the interest of the Chinese and some of the others in Southeast Asia as to uh, why they're interested all of a sudden in climate change. Uh, If the glaciers melt completely, the same, almost the same amount of moisture will probably come down from the sky, but it'll come down the rivers when it rains and flooding, and it won't uh, come down in the dry season. So uh, they're very worried about it, and they should be. we get a lot floods around the world. Uh, more than we than we used to, and uh, p- places like New Orleans, or this is a picture of New Orleans during the flood, are, are actually lower than the level of the sea. And if it keeps going up, they're going to find themselves underwater a lot more often uh, because of hurricanes and other things. Uh, fires are a major problem. Australia's just had the the largest fires that it's ever had, uh, and um, California's recently had a lot of very heavy fires. We're getting much better at putting fires out, but they're getting worse than, than, they, than they were uh, previously, and I think fires is just a, a, a major problem as things continue to warm. Probably the worst thing, though, is, the, um, is just the general drought and how it affects uh, low-income people around the world. It's, as a justice issue, it's really not very fair. These people are putting the least amount of carbon dioxide into the air, and they're getting the worst problems. And if the ocean rises, they're going to continue. To, they're going to get, you know, going to get flooded out, and, in places like Bangladesh, and, and have to go other places. So it's just, um, uh, it, it's it's a terrible thing in many areas where they just get floods at one time and then no rain at all, and no water at other times. Soot is a major problem in global warming. Uh, soot comes from diesel fuel, and uh, if you don't control it, it comes from fires, and, and it comes from factories and so on. Soot, the good thing about soot is that if you leave it alone about 45 days later, it'll be be pretty much washed out of the sky. However, we're pretty good at keep throwing more up. So we have more and more, soot absorbs heat and uh, is one of the worst parts of of, um, uh, climate change. Uh, Talk about the oceans. Part of the Packard Foundation is the Monterey Bay Aquarium Research Institute. It's about 250 scientists, engineers, and staff with several ships and submarines. And they, they're doing a lot of different tests in the ocean. And one of the things they're finding is that the oceans absorb about one third of the carbon dioxide in the world. And it's not the ocean itself, but um, plankton and other things that are, are, are in the in the ocean. And um, it's becoming, the ocean is becoming much more acidic than it used to be. Uh, it's, there are areas of the ocean between about 300 meters down and about 1,000 meters down where the, the water is becoming acidified so much that plants and animals can't, can no longer live there. And this area is growing. This is a larger and larger area. On the surface, you have waves and things, and that brings in new oxygen and so on. But the, um, uh, the oceans are, are getting to be in, in pretty bad shape. So, well, we ask ourselves, this is me and... My uh, associate, you know, what, what can we do? And um, we, some of you had uh, uh, a couple of professors in Princeton um, came up with a theory, what they call a wedge theory. And let me just give you that briefly. Maybe some of you know it already pretty well. The, the dotted white line would be business as usual, uh, current, the current uh, path. The green wedges uh, are all different types of approaches. And what are they approaches about? Well? There are power, industry, buildings, transport, forestry, agricultural, waste, and an unknown factor. And a piece of that unknown factor is new technology. Um, It's pretty hard to say exactly when we're going to get good at using wave action for generating power, or whether we're gonna have a satellite in the sky that, you know, absorbs the power and shoots it down and uh, solves all of our problems. Um, It may be a while, though, before things like that happen. Uh, We are certainly improving. The wind power and solar power are mechanisms are both greatly improved over what they were just 10, 15 years ago. So, but we have to get going fairly soon, and this is sort of like starting in 2010. If we wait till 2020 to really get going, and uh, then the, the the what you can do by 2030 uh, is a much larger unknown factor. So what we really want to do is to uh, get into a situation where uh, we can work in these different areas. So what do we mean by work in these areas? What, what, are the, what is that about? Um, first, let me just point out, business as usual uh, would bring us to, by 2030, to about 60 gigatons, billion tons, of CO2E, that's equivalent. So methane is 20 times more, it's a, it, doesn't, it doesn't CO2 equivalent and that's 750 parts per million. A lot of people think that there's a lot of carbon dioxide in the air, most of what we breathe is nitrogen, fair amount of oxygen, but carbon dioxide, if it gets up to 1%, if it got up to 1% in this room, most of you would feel dizzy, headache, want to go to sleep, you know, it just isn't good. So there's really not an awful lot of carbon dioxide in, in the atmosphere, and 750 parts per million is, is uh, much higher than we want to get, so what we're hoping to is uh, have about 30 gigatons instead of 60 and have 450 parts per million. Incidentally, if you, if you have questions and things, um, I, I want to get through this, but I'm sure don't want to just pass you up and, and have you not remember something. Sometimes when you're going through a lot of slides, um, uh, I've done it so often that I understand my own slides, but that doesn't necessarily mean that any of you do. Um, so, uh, please ask questions as we go along uh, so what are, what are the kind of things that we can we can really do? One of the things is to figure out which countries really matter. Uh, some countries obviously put out more of the uh, uh, of the CO2 that comes from say power let 's take a look. The big countries are china u s but also e u and india are there there are other, other countries are doing some. Um, but what we really wanted to do was to focus on the major, those four, EU being all of Europe, but I mean focus on those four major areas. So you can see between those four, that's 70% of the amount of CO2 that comes from, uh, from power, or generating electric power. In buildings, it's 62%, 60% in industry, 52% in transport. In forestry, 86% comes from Brazil and Africa. Indonesia is also a, a major factor in this, but not, not as big as either of those. Um, Brazil has um, been involved in cutting back a lot of their forest, and they're doing it fairly rapidly. Um, one of the things they do is they cut down the forest and they grow soybeans. And um, soy has a, has a great market in Europe, and um, so they can make more money on the uh, soybeans than they can on whatever they could get out of uh, their forest or their jungle. Um, one of our our grant programs to try and work on Brazil was to really try and figure out how can we get people to slow down the burning or stop it. The government, the state governments there really weren't interested in uh, in enforcing the law very well uh, particularly with their friends. And so what what we do is we pay for people to fly over um, the burning, take pictures of it, Publish it in the newspapers with the names of the people who are doing it, and so not only are they embarrassed uh, in their own community, but then the government pretty much has to do something about it, then because it's, it's you know they, they can't say they don't know who it is, or that's not happening. Uh, just taking a look at you know sort of what are the uh, amount of uh, ba you know business as usual emissions um, in the different areas. Uh, what we're hoping to do is to take the in the gray area is to reduce them by that much. You'll notice that forest is actually reduced below the line and that's by replanting. Uh, cutting forest is not just the CO2 from the cutting but it's also the taking a positive and taking it down into a negative. When you go outside sometime, now maybe it's not when it's raining so hard but other times, and you see a, let's say a pine tree or something about 24 inches or, around, that absorbs about one ton of carbon a year. So you want to pat it and say good going, you know, don't think of it as board feet, you know, for a house or something, but think of it as absorbing a ton of carbon and get, keep, it, keep it alive and well, and if it's bigger around, it's absorbing, you know, proportionally more and if it's smaller, then, then less. But, um, uh, so those are, that's a big piece of it, but that's part of the why the forestry is, is so go, drops down, is we could get, you start re- replanting in some areas. The thing we don't want to do is to lose. Um, and lose is what happens when you build, say, a coal fire, fire power plant is you lock it in. It doesn't turn off the next year. It goes. And a coal fire power, power plant can last for 40 years. Um, and we'll get into, you know, how much it puts out and so on. But so we want to try and fight against um, a lock-in of emissions and, and policies. We want to innovate and implement known solutions. And then we wanted to, uh, you know, deploy complete solutions and look at at brand new things that are coming along. Um, The, uh, let's take coal-fired power plants, for instance. Um, They, um, uh, this plant, uh, let's take an average plant, provides electricity for about 800,000 people. So you might need two of those for Denver or something like that. I'm not quite sure what the population is there, but if you include the suburbs and so on and it produces about six million tons of CO2 per year. So you gotta have six million trees out there working in, so that's, that's pretty hard. Um, if, you, uh, if you take transportation, uh, China, which I'll get into a little bit more uh, later on, but China is developing a, a US economy and in the next 20 years, they'll almost double uh, our economy as it is now. They're growing very quickly. They have passed us up in the US until about a year ago. The US was number one in throwing carbon dioxide into the atmosphere. Now we're number two. China's passed us up. Although if you mention this in China, they logically say that on a per person basis, we are still number one. Because we only have 300 million people, and they have 1.3 billion people. And so uh, we're still number one on a per person basis for throwing stuff up into the atmosphere. Uh, so China, as I say, has 20 years of, of growth that, that we need to really help them uh, to do. Take forestry, um, cutting down trees, they, um, provide a, it, it, for, you know the, the cutting of trees, taking them from a positive absorbing carbon to a negative of being cut up and on the ground and disturbing the soil and all, letting out carbons, is about 20%. Of the uh, CO2 and methane emissions that we have in this in this world, um, and um, industry is quite involved. Um, cement, for instance, uh, just the making of cement around the, around the world creates five percent of the CO2. Um, so we really have to figure out what you know what can we do about all that. Well, no new conventional coal power plants. We try and work more on. Uh, uh, things like wind and solar, much better urban planning, um, the, you know, how to prevent deforestation and um, try and improve productivity so that per per amount of carbon put out you can, you can create a lot more cement than you could before. There are other things that we can do and these, some of these are personal things we can do, try and get better mileage and drive less, uh, make your home more energy efficient, um, buy clean power, uh, this is some getting to be easier but still difficult, and eat less meat. Now I have to tell you that on the last one, I'm not very good at that. And the other thing, of course, I didn't bicycle here from um, San Francisco, uh, so I took an airplane and you know, came down, so um, you know, I was using, um, using a, maybe next year I should do it on a webinar or something along that line. But I think all of us need to, to think about it. So what is this going to cost? I, I'm not going to go into all this. First of all, I don't think I could really do it. Uh, but what we looked and tried to decide was how much would it cost to really get from here, from 2010 to 2030 and reduce by 30 gigatons. What, what does it mean? What is it going to cost? Well, in some areas, um, for instance, in buildings, it actually is a savings. If you put in good uh, insulation improvements, it actually saves uh, power and it saves money. And so. The same thing with the water heating and, and a number of other different parts of the building. So there, it's actually a, a positive situation in which you save money. But there are other areas like power where you go to, from wind and, uh, uh, or if you want to wash coal before you burn it, which actually uh, makes a lot less CO2 and a lot less coal dust or sequester the carbon dioxide. Um, this is coming into um, interest. It's not really very feasible yet but taking the carbon dioxide and actually burying it into the ground, um, and not opening it back up again. Industry, um, there's different kinds of, of, you know, having motor systems and having rules and regulations, uh, transport, um, forests, what it costs, and agricultural. So all of these things, if you look at them and figure it out, um, as I say, end up costing you about fifty dollars a a ton is what is going to cost the world to really try and change. It's expensive, but the alternative is, is uh, not too good. Uh, under power, what, what are the interventions? Well, no new coal plants, uh, carbon capture and sequestration, renewable portfolio standards, and perhaps nuclear power. Um, some countries like um, France get 80% of their uh, electric power from uh, nuclear power. We had some difficult times in the 70s and have never really gotten back into it. Uh, other countries are doing a, a great deal more, uh, particularly in Europe, but also even countries like Iran uh, and um, North Korea are building it, not necessarily for all the right reasons, but um, I think uh, we, we need to relook at that as well as a lot of other new technologies. Uh, so, looking at wind, solar, and in industry, we need to look at efficiency standards and uh, motor and pumps and other industrial systems and uh, uh, just you know what, what's put out in the smokestack by steel, cement, and petrochemicals and things. Um, we need under buildings, we need to have mandatory building codes and we need to reform the utilities and get them to, to do it a much better job, transportation, fuel efficient cars, low carbon fuels, Reduce vehicle miles traveled and, and really get involved in bus rapid transit and uh, uh, bicycle more. Forestry, leverage carbon financing. One of the things that uh, you run across in a, um, uh, somebody who has a forest, if, if you own uh, this pine tree that absorbs uh, a ton of carbon a year, there are carbon credits in the, in the um, Country, and it's probably one tree wouldn't sell too far. But if you had a thousand of them, uh, and you the, the value of that in California is about ten dollars a ton. So if you had a thousand of those, you'd have about ten thousand dollars worth of carbon credits that you could sell, assuming that you could have, or you could have cut them all down. Um, and so, what, what one of the things that's in Europe, the price is about twenty eight dollars a ton. And there are a lot of places where if people could get money back. Uh, in that respect from people, uh, from carbon credits, and who do you sell it to? I'm with a small group that are looking at some acreage, and um, we would sell to Pacific Gas and Electric Company because of what they call cap and trade. Um, They've been capped as to how much they can put out. They're putting out more because the cap keeps dropping, and so they have to trade, they have to buy a carbon credit. So if you own some trees, they buy your trees, and so, we're hoping that as this becomes a worldwide market, there would be a lot of places that are uh, rather it would begin to be valuable to keep the trees and not to cut them down or to and to plant row crops. Uh, this is our team in China, the China Sustainable Energy Program. Uh, there are actually about 35 of them now, but that's the beginning of it. Uh, We started in in, um, uh, the Energy Foundation and the Packard Foundation, and now other foundations have joined us. started in 1998. We went to the government, and in 1999, they took lead out of gas. In 2002, they put on catalytic converters. In 2005, they said that all new cars had to have 27.5 miles per gallon or better, and that's not average, but that's all. And then last year, they said it had to be 30 miles per gallon. So China has gone from behind us um, to ahead of us. And uh, that this particular group is one of the key that they've been working on. They've worked in other areas, too. Um, China's manufacturing companies a few years ago were making a refrigerator that was right out of the kind that your grandmothers had in the 1950s. Um, and those of you who are older, maybe your mothers had in the 1950s. Uh, but the... Um, a refrigerator today in the US is about eight times more energy efficient than one from the 1950s. And uh, they were just making, they weren't very big ones, but they were making hundreds of millions of them because there, as I say, there are 1.3 billion people there in China. And um, so the government invited them in and if the government in China invites you in, you show up. Uh, and uh, they said to them basically, this is the way they're doing it in the United States, this is the way they're doing it in Europe and in Japan, and this is the way you're going to do it. Um, so they've uh, got about, I think they had something like six, min- uh, six months to uh, retool. And then they could uh, 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 come up with a, a new refrigerator, which now is pretty much international standards. And they can not only do they, all their competition has to do it, but if they're good, they can sell internationally. So it turned out, in the long run, good for those companies. But in the short run, they may not have done it if the government hadn't encouraged them to. Uh, but just the the oil and the the savings in um, in oil, a little cartoon here, um, four hundred and thirty-two million barrels saved, and that's because of China's uh, moving up the uh, the number of miles required to thirty. Um, this uh, is about um, two hundred and twenty metric tons of carbon dioxide, so on an annual basis. So it's a it's a large a large uh, amounts. Let's take a look in the U.S. Uh, the U.S. has state renewable portfolio standards. You see that Colorado's on the list there, 28 states and D.C. Uh, just the wind power in the U.S. provides, in the U.S., about 1 percent of the total power. And it's mainly because of these states, and so how much could we, you know, how much more could it be if we could get all states to do it? How much more would it be if we were using 2 percent, 5 percent, 10 percent? So, um, even, but even uh, between, we're um, saving 28,000 tons of CO2, 28 million tons of CO2 just from that uh, use of wind power as opposed to using coal. Uh, clean transportation, this actually is a picture from Mexico City. Uh, one of the members on the board of the uh, Climate Works is Mario Molino from Mexico. Who's got a uh, Nobel Prize and, and in this particular area, uh, putting in clean rapid transit, bus rapid transit, costs about five percent of putting underground in. So for if underground is um, you know 100 million, uh, for five million you can you can put in surface, uh, and it works extremely well. If you go to Bogota, Colombia, for instance, they have a system, the Transmillennium there that that. Uh, carries about 1.7, 1.8 million people per day. Um, And this is in a city of about 7 million people. So they've really made a difference that that buses don't wait at the stoplights. They either go through them, or if it's a major thoroughfare, they go up and over or down underneath it or something, but they move right along. You can get across town, and it really helped the economics of the city because people were stuck in low-income areas, and there was no way for them to get to work. Um, so, you know, because a lot of times the jobs were across town, and they couldn't afford it. So they get subsidized on on these type of things, both in Mexico City and in Bogota and many other cities. Um, so using a bus saves about sixty percent uh, uh, increased or reduced emissions than using you know using cars, even if you're talking about carpooling. But some people say, well, what does this mean to the standard of living? I mean, how? You know, are we going to all go and live in a, in a little house with no lights or anything like that? This is California, and I just happen to come from there, so that's why I put it up there, but um, versus the rest of the United States as you, the um, amount of per capita electric sales in kilowatt hours per person. In other words, how much do each of us use? And um, I, you can see because of caps in California and because of encouragement from wind and solar, that uh, we've been able to keep it from, since 1974 from really not increasing at all where the rest of the country has gone up um, uh, close to 50 percent. So you can certainly have a good life and not have to just think you're going to give up everything. Uh, these two gentlemen from Berkeley uh, labs are from India and I won't try and pronounce their names but anyway you can, they're working to try and it's the beginning of an effort we have in India to try and see how can we get people in India to use less power and to think about it. And so what they're doing as uh, in their efforts to work with the utility industry, um, they uh, are, are trying to get a 20% demand reduction. And this sounds, you know, uh, in a country that doesn't have power everywhere, sounds like a lot, but they feel they can really do that. They're working with the utility industry there. and. Uh, the utility industry is actually uh, cooperating with them. Uh, this would save about 50 megawatts of and um, about 200 million tons of, of carbon. This is just in one state that they're working in, um, in India, hoping to do the rest. So what do we do um, at Packard? Basically, we're doing experts, strategies, working with policy and coming up with policies. Now, I, I gave this presentation earlier and uh, to uh, a class and people wondered, well, how, you know, are you out there? Lo- what is Packard doing? Are you out there lobbying? Are you out there doing things? The Packard Foundation is what we're doing is we're funding Climate Works and we're funding a number of others, the Energy Foundation. We're funding quite a group of, of different organizations, and in the transportation, industry, power, forests, building area, and so on. So what we're doing is funding. Up, we look down the, the um, column the Energy Foundation, China Sustainable Energy, Sustainable Energy Foundation in India, European climate, and other programs in Latin America and the rest of the world. And then looking across the top are the different areas that we're working on, forest, uh, reforestation, uh, bus rapid transit, uh, buildings, industry, and um, uh, power generation. And so these are the amounts that we think we can save from the different, those different categories. And this sort of looks like a Sudoku um, game, but it's, um, and you know, there's a test later to memorize this, but anyway, um, but we're hoping that what we can come up with is to save our, our around 30 um, gigawatts of, of um, carbon dioxide by 2030. So it's, it's trying to work with the different countries around the world, getting them best ideas that we can have these ideas come in in areas like buildings and power and transit and vehicles and industry, forest and so on, and um, get this thing to work. Um, so you have basically ideas going back and forth all over the world. Um, so this is that tree I mentioned. You can go out there and give it a little pat, and to um, say working together, I think we can we can uh, win. So. That's sort of an outline of why the Packard Foundation got involved, um, what we're trying to do, and it certainly isn't everything. There's an awful lot left to do from other people and so on. But uh, we want to take this, um, you know, we talk about a billion dollars. In some respects, it sounds like a lot. When you, if you look at government funding, you know, it sounds like a rounding error or something like that. I mean, it should be a trillion or something instead of a billion. But um, anyway, we think of it as a lot. And um, so this is what we 're trying to do and uh, around and focus in the major countries and uh, try to um, focus on the, the major areas that doesn't mean that uh, you know every country has its problems, uh, but we're not worried about Haiti right now uh, because uh, Haiti pretty much denuded all of its trees already and um, uh, isn't throwing an awful lot of stuff up into the atmosphere so um, that doesn't mean it doesn't have major problems or its people don 't have major problems but what we're trying to do is see how can, you know, what are the key things, looking back at that wedge theories, what are the key things that we can do to try and keep the temperature from not going up more than two degrees centigrade by 2030? If we could do less, you know, have it go up less than that, great. Uh, some of you, you know, are talking about, uh, some of you may have read in the paper the other day where for the first time ships from um, Norway, I think, sailed from Korea to Europe going over, over the Northwest Passage. And And uh, just because the Arctic ice is melting. And I showed you those pictures of Greenland. And uh, it's just, um, you know, they're just our our major problems. And um, they're not going to get better. They're going to get worse. And um, it's something that we felt that we really need to work on. So, Any thoughts or questions?